0: What's good, everyone? This is your host, Brent Lamar of the In-N-Out Podcast. It's good to be back with y'all again on this beautiful Monday. Currently, I'm in Russia, Krasnoyars to be exact. I'm freezing my towel off, but hey, I'm still blessed. Anywho, last episode was so dope to interview my guy, Henry Sims, who's doing his thing in Italy right now, so shout out to him. But today, we have a special guest. This guy's a EuroCup MVP. A straight bucket wherever he goes. Oh, and did I mention he's about to be the all-time leading scorer for Eurocup when it's all said and done? He's a European legend and an OG in the game. I'm excited for y'all to listen to this man. With that being said, we welcome Eric McCollum to the pod. Let's get right to it. Let's get in. Let's get out. Let's go. What's up pod? Appreciate you guys for joining this podcast, man. I got a special guest, uh, man. He's a bucket getter. He's straight assassin. Um, but, uh, even more what's impressive is that he's a a better person. He's a great dude, a a great father. Um, I met him last year. Uh, I had fortunate, uh, I had the opportunity to work out with him and uh, meet him and his wonderful family. And ever since then, you know, we kind of, built this bond and a friendship. So uh, I'm very grateful for, you know, just you and just your mentoring and, you know, just all the knowledge you have, you know, and I look forward to, you know, continue to, you know, just seeing what I can do with my game, and seeing what you can do and growing closer as friends, man. Cause like I said, you are, you really genuine good dude. I always say, man, you need to write a book, you know, so uh, maybe it's coming after basketball, but uh, without further ado, his name is Eric McCollum. I'm excited about this. Uh so let's get straight to it. Eric, man. So I want to first talk uh, start talking about, you know, just what made you want to play basketball? How you how did you start, you know, falling in love with the game of basketball?
1: Well, I appreciate you having me on the podcast and you know, showing me love as always. And, and you know, you family yeah. to me. So, and, yeah, so I got you. But um basically, um, both my parents play basketball and know just to be active playing sports was basically a rule of the household just because in the inner city it's a lot of distractions um you know some gangs drugs violence all those type of things and so my parents always believed if you were busy um you didn't have time to get in trouble so it didn't matter what sport it was but you had to be participating in something and if you weren't you were just in the house it would just be a ton of chores and uh pointless work of just doing things around the house and you just got to the point where you're like hey i'm gonna outside i'm going to go play i'm going to do something so i think that was the benefit of having that push just to be active
0: yeah no no i hear you i definitely you know for my parents they always stress you know like find what you find find what you love to do uh but whatever you're going to do man like like you're going to have some purpose and for you you know just just growing up in canton and everything like that how how was kind of the hoops in the midwest do you consider canton like midwest like what would you consider that yeah.
1: East or yeah, or, so we and um, I think um, obviously everybody knows Ohio was a football state. Yeah. So, uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, you know, even though the Cleveland Browns historically haven't been successful, um, it's still strong in football, and yeah, you know, everything geared and pushed towards that. You know, we have some of the best um, football stadiums, the biggest, um, some teams that are usually ranked in the country, have ESPN games, and a lot of high major recruits for yeah. football. So. Everybody kind of focused their attention on that. And then second is basketball. Yeah. You know, so when it comes to resources that your high school gets, obviously everything is going to the football team. And yeah. then, you know, basketball is also second on the totem pole. But, you know, it just was a passion. It was something that, you know, I enjoyed. And, you know, I did play football. I did all that. But, you know, I'm kind of light. You know, I'm not a big dude. <laughs> no, and it was you. cold when it was in Ohio and you're playing out there and it could be snow and rain. And I just thought, like, you know what? This isn't for me. Yeah, like, right. people getting hit. Yeah. Like I was was good. I played a quarterback. But, you know, I just, it. I didn't love it. And when you um, are pursuing something, anything, I think that you need to love it. Because yeah. if you love it, you're going to put the time in, you're going to put the effort, and you're going to have this passion and desire to get better every day and to take it as far as you can. You know, mm-hmm. you never know what level that will be, but you're going to put everything into it. And I felt that with basketball. And, and that's why we chose that sport. Me and my brother. I think um, our best sports were actually baseball. You know, we played baseball, really? we played football, we played and we were in track. But best sport was baseball. Like we were elite at baseball. Like man, and we had played growing up forever. Yeah. Um, and I just the only reason why I stopped playing is because um, there wasn't much attention on baseball. Like when you pick up the newspapers. And, you know, I'm going to the high school games and I went to the high school basketball, football games, and I mean, the gyms were full, the stadiums were full. Um, Anytime you pick a newspaper, it's always those two sports. Um, and there was diversity there. where as in baseball, there was no diversity. Yeah, um, there was no yeah. people who. Um, you know, you didn't feel included, you know, and, and those type of things. And I, you know, sometimes I look back, I'm like, man, I should have played baseball with the way these contracts yeah, facts. are and everything.
0: But facts. <laughs> Man.
1: But I just I, I didn't feel like, you know, coming from a school in a suburban school, I lived in a city, but my mom made sure that I went to the suburban school because yeah. it was the best academic, prepared me best for college and it had the best resources. Where obviously, you know, when it comes to schooling systems, if people don't know, um schools are basically take care of taken care of by the public, um taxpayer monies. Yeah. Obviously, house cities and smaller cities aren't as expensive as houses in the suburbs mm-hmm. so those are bigger taxes those bigger taxes go to those nicer schools yeah um and, and then you also get money based on minorities as well you know those type of things but I just say that to say that um I chose a school that well I didn't really choose I was told to go to a school <laughs> <would prepare laughs> yeah me for have life. no choice <laughs> yeah rather than one that would prepare you for sports yeah. and um end up being good for me yeah. But that's probably why I didn't do baseball. If there was more people who looked like me, if there was more of an inclusion, I would have chose baseball and basketball. But since it wasn't, you know, I went to what was popping. What was the sport that got the publicity? Yeah. What was a, I loved? And you know, maybe maybe that's the one that got you a little bit more girls. Baseball didn't really get the fan. <laughs> fan. <laughs> it
0: wasn't no a fan favorite. I know. I know. No, I definitely hear what you're saying, man. But you chose right. And uh, I want to touch upon just uh, a couple of things that you that you said within what you were saying, like. You said you and your brother, you guys were uh, you guys had kind of had to just choose basketball and and make a decision, all that other stuff. And you guys chose basketball. Uh, If you all don't know, this is uh, CJ McCollum's brother, uh, Eric. And um, um, how how do you feel like, you know, growing up, just you guys pushing each other? How did that help your game? And just you, you know, growing up, you know, having a brother, because I knew if I had a brother or something like that, uh, a, a little brother too, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm going at him. We, we, we fighting all the time. So, how was that kind of dynamic in the house, just with you and your brother, um, and and just you know, uh, growing together. I guess.
1: I think um having a sibling, um, you know, the same sex, whether it's a, yeah, two uh, daughters, two brothers. I think it's the ultimate advantage. Um, just because you have someone to play with all the time. Uh, so you know, a lot of times it can get. Tiring, you know, as a professional athlete, even working out by yourself, you know, it can be mentally training. So imagine as a child, it's extremely difficult to maintain that focus, to maintain that desire to want to go out there and do it. And sometimes yeah. you're going to be out there by yourself because it's your dream. But when you have a sibling, you know, I was fortunate to have a brother. Now it's our dream. Now yeah. on those days when I don't feel like getting up, I got him in my ear. On those days, he doesn't feel like getting up. He, I'm, I'm pushing him, telling him to get up. Uh, you know, also it breeds um, a positive competition. Whereas you want to see both uh, grind and succeed and do well, but you know, you both up to any, you know, your brother plays a game and he's three years younger than me and, Mm -hmm. and he goes and drops 20, you know, and, and, um, fifth grade game and i'm in eighth grade i'm thinking shoot i gotta get 21 or more like (laughs) and and it forces you to level up but you're still rooting for him you want him to grind but you're trying to set the example and and he's trying to come back and match that you know as a younger brother he's got to live up to you so you got to make sure you set the standard um i think it also um was beneficial for me just because you know i had someone who understood the game who who knew the game who knew my Talent. So, when you hit your rough patches, or when mm-hmm. you're struggling, you're not playing at your level of what you're capable of. You have someone to to be there for you, to encourage you, to uplift you, to support you. But you also have someone there to give you that tough love. Like, man, nice. come on, turn up. Nice. Like, he, yeah, you ain't yeah, playing yeah. good, man. That that boy killing you. Like, yeah. you got someone that they kind of to light that fire, and they know since they know their personality, they know when to yeah. when to stroke your ego, but they also know when to push you. And I think um, you know that's kind of been our story our whole life. I mean, even to today. You know, he still texts me at halftime. He's watching a, a random VTB game or a Euro Cup game, you know, with 11 hour time difference. And he's texting me, Hey, the biggest sagging back on the peak and row. You need to go to the pull up. Stop going in there with the big shoot the three and, you know, just little subtle stuff like yeah. that. And I'm watching his games and I'm also returning the same favorite. Like, Oh, you know, um, yeah. you know, you're selling for the three too much, you know, get in the paint, get some floaters, pull up, whatever the case may be, but I think that's been an advantage for us. And as we became adults, I think having someone who understood your path, like we both came from nothing. We both were underrated, under the radar, under under regarded. No one really uh, was speaking about us. No one thought we would be pros. And so to yeah. see us, you know, climb up, you know, to our respective fields as being, you know, as some would say, at the top of our profession, um, you know, we know what it's like. You know, whatever pressure they may have been to to, to get to this level, whatever ups and downs it may yeah. have been, um, and then also the struggles of, you know, maintaining relationships, friendships, everything. We're not all trying to focus in on your goal. You know, who to give energy to, who not. So I think, yeah. you know, outside of basketball, I have someone to, to share that, I guess that that blessing and that burden with as well.
0: Yeah, man, that's huge. That's huge. I think, you know, like having someone to push you. Uh, obviously even someone that's like been through it, who's living with you all the time, man, I can definitely see how, you know, that kind of elevates your game, elevate his game. You know, that's something, you know, growing up, I, I kind of always wanted, you know, but I have two older sisters. So the dynamics is a little different, but um, you know, growing up and uh, as you kind of go throughout the years, you know, recently uh, you got your uh, Jersey retired at your high school. Uh, can you just talk to me a little bit about your high school career, you know, and uh, kind of like when did you when did you know that you want to do this? And when did you like at the time when you said, you know what, I can I can make some money doing this if I keep doing it, you know, when when was that age?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, my high school career was like a, a roller coaster. So mm-hmm. I was the late bloomer. Um, my freshman year, I was five foot five. Mm-hmm. I played freshman team uh my sophomore year uh, i hit a little spurt and now i was about five yeah. eight and yeah i was bouncing between jv and varsity but wasn't getting a lot of minutes and you know i felt like i should have been our jv team was excellent um at yeah. the time it was um they didn't allow me or coastal kufus to get the minutes we should have got varsity coastal kufus if you don't know um is a well 12 or 13 year NBA veteran um, played two or three years overseas. Um, a guy who's made over 50 million in his NBA career. Um, he's a seven footer. So he was my big. And part of it was they wanted to keep us together to develop the chemistry. Yeah. And the other part was just the, the politics and the yeah. nepotism of a school yeah. who, you know, was wanting to keep certain seniors, you know, playing varsity or, you know, somebody's parents give money to the Booster the Cubs. Somebody's mm-hmm. parents is a, you know, a big donor. Yeah. And you know I didn't understand it at the time because as when you're young, you just think I'm better than someone I should be playing yeah but you know we didn't get the minutes we really desired and you know end up being a blessing just because it created us um, a hunger inside of us, a certain drive. and then I come back into my junior year and now I'm full-time starter. I almost transferred my sophomore year just because I knew I could start other places and you know the school basically sat me down. And it just was like, yo, they told me the situation. They were honest. And it was like it was a new coach. It was his first year. And he was like, look, this is my first year. I'm kind of forced to do some things right now that I don't really want to do. But next year, the gloves are off. I can do what I want. And basically, he just said, you'll be starting because that's what you deserve. Not because I'm giving you nothing. You'll be starting your junior year. And I'm thinking, like, man, I got two years two to try years to get this scholarship. Get busy, huh? like, <laughs> <laughs> you got two so, years to get busy. I get it. <laughs> and so that's what basically um, ended up having a really good uh, junior year. But I was only five foot ten, still a little undersized, very slight in frame. And then my senior year, I grew to about six foot. But I was light. I was probably like 140. And um, but I was killing, you know. I was all state. Um, our team was top five in the state, and it was a a school not known for basketball. And granted, I had a a McDonald's on american seven footer who was a year younger than me, and then um, myself, and then we had another guy, um, you know, that I'm great friends with that we end up going to college together. Um, he was like six five, uh, weak. And basically it was us three. My brother was a freshman. He was only 5'2". He also was a late bloomer. So he was just our designated shooter. He was bouncing back and forth between JV and varsity. And uh, like, I basically just just really didn't come into myself until I was forced to be option number one. So Costa was option uh, number one, that's the big man. He was averaging 25 points a game, I don't know, 13. Yeah, rebounds a game. And I was averaging about like 20. And when he um got hurt, he broke his foot halfway through the season. And that's when I was forced to really be option number one, to carry the load. And, yeah. and I thrived. Yeah. I really thrived. And um, it was a great year, great summers I had. And, you know, I just, for some reason, all the schools, the division one schools would say that I was talented enough um, and good enough to play division one. But they said that I wasn't big enough. They said I wouldn't be able to handle the physicality. So you know, I, I was I was kind of depressed at that point because you put in all this time, all this energy, you know, to be a Division One player. Whatever your goal is, doesn't matter. My goal was to be Division One, and when no one offers you the full ride scholarship, you know, you're like, dang, I did everything. I I poured my heart and soul into this. You know, I was okay. a good person. You know, like I hear you. Like why you don't understand? Like you, you know, you're having a conversation with God if you're a believer, and you're like, yeah. man, like I did everything, like that your book says I did. And you're just like, why hasn't it come, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, at that time, it took me time to realize, you know, what he was doing and he was preparing me for, it. but I, I ended up getting one scholarship offer, but it was contingent, contingent upon the guy not, um, passing his ACT cause he had failed three times. Yeah. Um, it was his last opportunity, his fourth test. And at the time, it's sick. You know, I'm hoping yeah. the kid fails. You know, <laughs> <just> it's <sitting
0: here. laughs> the well, It's all good. I get it. Hey, man, if anyone, anyone, was gonna have you know, to it's me. only one spot. And, one spot? Um, I want it.
1: Man, I wanted it. And um, it was a small school called Tennessee Tech. Um, Small school, not like a big, big powerhouse, just a low major. Yeah. And, you know, the coach called. It was like a sure scholarship. He said, we will give it to you outright. But this kid committed as a sophomore. And we have to honor a scholarship. And I understood that. Like, you know, I respect that you're going to honor and stand by your kid. And I kind of emerged onto the scene late. You know, fast forward, the kid um, passes his tests, And, Damn. you know, now I'm stuck scrambling. Yeah. It's late. I just finished my senior All the Division One scholarships are gone. I didn't really play AAU ball. Yeah. So it's like, dang, what I'm going to do? And, you know, um, a guy calls uh, me from Columbus. Never met him to this day, Tony Cornette. And he was like, "Look, um, you know, I've seen you play. I heard about you. You know, I want to help you get to school. You know, wh- was, is anybody helping you?" And I'm like, "No, nobody helping me. Like, you know, um, granted, everybody was helping Costa because he was like this big, I McDonald's mean, American, but he didn't need help. Like, yeah. he had every yeah, school yeah, he, dude: Carolina, Ohio State, Kentucky. Yeah. Like, I'm like, help me, like, <laughs> <laughs> help me." But, um, <laughs> and so, like, literally, a guy I've never met. Um, you know, told me to send me send in my film. Um, and he literally sent um, sent me addresses of where to send stuff. He told me to send stuff to him. He would hand give it to some of the coaches he knew. And we literally sent it to all these Division Two schools and um, all these NAI schools. And um, and that really helped me. And then it helped me get visits, everything. And then I had offers. I had, you know, and I as, as a spoiled, entitled kid, you know, who thinks if you work hard and you be a good person, you're supposed to get everything, you know, i here I am with full ride scholarships yeah. to go division two or to go NAIA. and yeah. you know, I'm mad, you know, I'm, I'm mad that I am might go to school for free. And even though it's not division one, I'm gonna go for free and other people out here are a hundred thousand, 150,000 dollars $200,000 in debt. And I, yeah. I didn't understand it yeah. until I got to college. You know, I was a smart kid, high GPA, but I was just, I hadn't faced that adversity yet, yeah. but I was thankful that it came early. And, um, Ended up taking a visit And I ended up choosing The NAIA school Just because um, I understood the situation Um, Senior point guard Was leaving You know I was basically Walking into a starting spot As long as I did What I was supposed to do All I had to do Was beat out a freshman Which is easier Than beating out An established upperclassman And um, They were also Recruiting one of my teammates Who I had known Since I was eight years old We played football Basketball and baseball Together Everything growing up And we went to The same high school So You know That was the kicker And and it was a top ten Um um, academic uh, Christian instit- institution mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the U.S. It aligned with my values. Yeah. So everything kind of just came into place. And, um, you know, that took me there. And I was just, I never thought that, you know, I would, you know, be an NBA player, be an overseas player or whatever. Like, yeah. I just thought like, yo, know, I just want to go to college for free. Yeah. And, and I was hoping it was Division One, but when it wasn't, you know, I had to kind of tamper my expectations because it's not a lot of people going um, professional from any mm-hmm. high school. So now at that point, mentally, I'm just thinking, look, you got to get your degree. You can go out here and kill everything. Um, you got to play so good. It looks like you don't belong here. Yeah. And, and that was my mindset. Like, you know, don't be good. I want people to ask, what are you doing here? Like yeah. when people ask, Goshen, go, wh- 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 why are you mm-hmm. here? Like, And that's when I know I did my job. So I just took that mindset, um, handled ec- academics. And I just thought, like, I'm going to get a good job. Yeah. You know, they say, I, I got a good job placement here. I'm, like, I'm going to have a good degree and, you know, I'm going to just work. And then as my career progressed, you know, there was rumblings that there could be a chance, but, you know, you never know. I didn't want to put you know, all my A's in that basket. I was always yeah. taught to have a plan. Yeah. And, you know, eventually, you know, fast forward, you break several records, yeah. be a four-time All-American, you know, things kind of work itself out. And, and at that point, adversity that I faced not going to Division One is what kind of created the monster. That mm-hmm. adversity I faced, not getting what I wanted, varsity wise, as a sophomore, as a freshman, kind of created that monster. And I think yeah. um, you never understand what God is doing, but um, at the end, at the end, you finally see the pieces of, of the puzzle come together, and yeah. then you're like, ah, I needed to. Yeah, <laughs> no, I
0: definitely. Man, what you said like I said, that's why I said you got to write a book, man. Like I definitely hear you out on all of this, you know. I feel like, you know, being patient is hard. You know, being patient for what you want is is difficult, and you know, like God God does have a plan for all of us and and you know, sometimes it comes later, sometimes it comes earlier, but all, all together, man, it's 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 going to happen and it's going to happen the way, you know, you need it to happen. But um just, you know, let's talk about a little bit about your your college career and, and everything like that. Uh, you went to Goshen College, like you said, it's an NAIA school now, right? Was it D2 back then?
1: Yes. It was D2, NAI.
0: Okay. D2, okay. Um, you know, you broke several records. You, you did your thing. Was there any chance of you leaving? Like, like, kind of transferring? Did you think about it? What made you want to be loyal to that school and, you know, continue to, just, just hoop there, because I know if you if you getting busy, you know what I'm saying like you definitely gonna get seen from other places. And what made you want to yeah. stay?
1: Yeah, I had um, a couple offers from some other schools because after my freshman year, mm-hmm. uh, I was all freshman team, all first team on conference, and then mm-hmm. I was like honorable mention all American, and I think I averaged um, a little under 19 points a game, and maybe like five or six rebounds, like four assists or whatever, yeah. and. My coach uh, was leaving; um, he was leaving to go to another school, um, and you know I was kind of like, "Dang, should I transfer? Like, what should I do?" And I was in a limbo, and I, you know, discussed it with my family, and we just decided that, you know, let's, let's see who the coach is going to be. You know, we were hoping they would in- uh, hire internally, which there was an assistant coach that I really liked, and you know, I vouched about- for him. I went to the to the school board. You know, athletic department, all that. You know, as the main player, like I guess the the younger, coming face. You know, I did my job because I wanted that guy to be the coach. Unfortunately, he didn't get it, and so I was felt you know kind of you know let down, kind of like you know they didn't really listen. You know, not just to me, but to our entire staff and team, and even the head coach. I recommended him when he left, and you know I was at that point like I could transfer you know, but I would have to sit out a year. And, you know, kids today are, are blessed because um, they can transfer out with the mulligan. Like, they yeah. don't have to sit out. They yeah. can transfer and play immediately. And yeah. if that was an opportunity for me, I for sure would have did it. Because I feel yeah. like, you know, coaches don't show loyalty to programs. I feel like, you yeah. know, no knock on that coach. I liked him. He was a great dude. But when I committed, I didn't just commit to the university. I yeah. committed to you. To you. yeah. And, and these coaches can just up and leave and I understand you got to do what's best for your family. You got to provide. You know, I totally agree. You should be able to leave, but players also have to do what's best for them. And mm-hmm. NCAA kind of handicapped the players for years by not allowing you to transfer without sitting out, but they allowed coaches to transfer without sitting out. And I'm glad that they rectified the situation and they fixed it. And so, but I decided to stay and end up being a good, a good situation. And yeah. I, I mean, I was dominant uh, that year. I had another All-American year. And I think I boosted my average about twenty four. You know, we had Eef. several times we ran through the country. Yeah, um, I think I averaged like seven, seven or eight rebounds and like four assists. And and I was like one of the top scores in the country. And and now small Division one schools were coming. Yeah. And so I'm going into my junior year, and small Division schools, Division one schools, will be some of them in Indiana. You know, um, like the IPFW and mm-hmm. these other types of yeah, small yeah, schools, IPUI. Yeah. I yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm forced with a decision. But at that point, you know, I, I was a good student. You know, in high school, I was 3.7. Um, you know, college, I think overall cumulatives about a 3.3, like I got good grades. I did yeah. everything right. But that doesn't necessarily mean I like doing schoolwork. I did it because I knew what it was. Yeah. Like, this is what you need to be successful. Yeah. This is why I'm gonna do it. I didn't do it because I love school. Like people think yeah. people with good grades just love school. Yeah. No, know? <laughs> so like, okay like nobody likes to write 50 page papers like i'm at a hard academic school like no one wants to do this yeah so i just told myself like i can do two years and i can get my degree um and and be out or you know i gotta sit out a year forces me to do another year of school yeah but then that also also sometimes all your credits don't transfer over you know i'm at a christian university so sometimes we have to take uh, religious classes yeah. bible classes these yeah. kind of stuff all my credits don't transfer and i'm thinking like oh like i need to be out of here in four years and be done i'm not doing another year and, and, and that was my mindset and so i came back from my junior year another all-american year i have about 24 again and similar rebounds assists whatever and definitely one of the top scores in the country and after that year everybody was trying to get me to come for my senior but i'm like at this point i got one year like i'm not doing yeah. that and i think yeah. senior year came in i was like 26 27 and Jeez. you know once what again the- was like i think i averaged one and a half blocks a game. That was i was super athletic you know <laughs> people don't know it now but like i was i was like like one of the top shot blockers in the country like i think like maybe top 15 something i averaged Wait, one and no a half blocks i'll tell you which side i was black man i gotta get oh, my college film up. i was blocking home. and dunking boys
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> chase downs all of that and oh, um, man. after that year they um that's when grad transfers started to be real popular so you yeah. gotta remember i'm, I'm i'll am i be 34 uh, years old this month mm-hmm. so this was 12 years ago and grad transfers started to become a theme yeah. and so um i had this was my last chance i had to transfer just finished school graduated Boom. and if you the way you could grad transfer. I don't know if this is rule, but when I was there, you could transfer to a school if you had already graduated, Mm -hmm. received your degree, and you chose to pursue a master's in a program that your current school didn't have. And that was the loophole. So all I had to do was just pick a master's field that my current school didn't have. And I could have did it, but um, at that time, I um, I wanted to be a pro. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get to the money and I wanted to start my career and I wanted to be an adult. Like, I was tired of doing the school thing, all the structure, all that stuff. Like, I understood this is what you need to be successful. But, you know, if I can handle my business in the time allotment period, I'm not going to do an extra year. And that was just my mindset. Everybody's life works differently, but I, I loved college. I enjoyed it. It was an excellent experience. Yeah. But man, it was a lot of work. And I went to a small school, so I actually had to do my homework. I didn't go (laughs) one of the big power fives. I didn't have a bull major. Like I had a business management major and I had to do my work. And and I was just like, I need to get out of here as quick as I can. I hear And get myself in a position to take care of me and my family. (laughs) I
0: hear you, man. I didn't go to no Kentucky or I went to UC Davis and they making sure you taking that test, they bringing somebody or you taking that test that day or whatever so it ain't no joke Tenants checks I, yeah I had to do my work man <laughs> see man but I, I I think that's special just just the fact that you know you were able to you know stay loyal but also you know figured out what you wanted you know that's that's rare especially as as you know being a young 21 22 20 year old or whatever just identifying what you want to do and just staying on that path
1: but and consent- it's tough it's tough because somebody wanted you right
0: yeah so like yeah,
1: it's tough when when at the beginning before you popping, before all these other people wanted you like this person this is the school that wanted you yeah and so part of me wanted to you know be loyal to them just because you know they had gave me an opportunity that not a lot of other schools were willing to offer yeah and and they did and i was happy there like yeah. if i wasn't happy like i'm Like, come on, like I'm playing big minutes. I'm getting a great education. Okay, it's in the middle of nowhere, Indiana. It's not a not the best city. I ain't gonna lie to you. It's cornfields, all type of stuff I've never seen, horse and buggy. and But it was good for me because there was no distractions. Like I wasn't out there, you know, faced with big city life environment. Like it was just basketball and hoop. Okay, you got your own campus, you know, distractions, whatever, parties, whatever. But it just was a great place for me to hone in and locking on my responsibilities and then because of that you know I knew that this was a place I could possibly reach my goals I didn't know what that would look like yeah but I knew whatever I chose whatever field whether it was basketball or work I knew this is a place that could put me in a position to be successful as long as I did my part I hear
0: I hear you and transitioning uh from you know college and everything like that how did you okay how, how I'm gonna phrase this is you know, did you know what was next you know um you went to a smaller school and i know your first year you played in israel you know did you did you know that that you were going to play overseas did you know that you were going to make it to summer league and have a chance to make the nba like what what was your mindset going in you know after college
1: yeah i really had no no clue um until my sophomore year um we had a division one transfer in our conference and he got conference play the year. He was also an all American with me mm-hmm. and he um went overseas. And so I was like, Oh shoot. Like if a player from my conference, you know, balled out, played good. Yeah. He got a chance to go overseas. I'm like, I can do that too. Why not me? Yeah. And so that's when my focus started to really shift. Like I might be able to really do this. And, you know, I played great. I had great season, and all that broke school records, um, scored like, Almost twenty hundred points in my career Eef. and and I think um you know i I had several forty something plus games whatever like basically statistically like everything was good i think i i left school number one score number one free throws made uh number one block I think top three or four Top three in blocks, Hell like, no. top three in steals. <laughs> I was steals too, man. I was getting steals, all that. I think I was oh, like, man. and I was like, I think I was top five or six in rebounding too. Like I had average like oh. seven or eight rebounds for my career, yeah. but I think um I just the season ended, um, my senior year, last game. You know, you're feeling somber, yeah. and my phone's not ringing. You know, yeah. my um uh, my I'm not hearing anything. Like I don't even know how to how to get overseas. Like What's the first step? No idea. You know, two, three days go by, no cost. Yeah. Seven days go by, no cost. So at this point, I'm doing an internship because it's required in my school to do an internship um, for your placement to get your degree. So I'm doing my internship, do a couple of days a week, and they offer me a job. You know, and um I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I'm gonna take this job. Like I'm yeah. 22 years old, I got offered 50k a year. I was working in a human resource um, uh, department of um like a nursing home. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the human resource department in charge of Italian payrolls, um, dealing with health comps, insurance comps, um, yeah. make sure they have that so when people call off at work, they gotta call in to do us, go through things, anything got handle harassment wise. Like I was part of that team, like basically overseeing everything. Yeah. and I was working under the president of um the nursing home, and she loved me. and you I was a good experience. and I was like, okay, I guess this is what's next. And literally, like, I think two days after I received the offer, I didn't, you know, respond to them if I was going to take the work off or not. Yeah. Uh, agents start hitting me up and I get called by like literally like eight to ten agents yeah. either reach out to me, um, reach out to my um, college coach. And now I'm flooded with calls. And, uh, and I go through that process of filtering it down start talking to them. And now I start to realize, OK, this is real life. You know, I, I thank the the place that I did my internship, Greencroft, which was a nursing yeah. home. Thank you. Um, but I think I'm going to pursue uh, my career first basketball wise just to see, you know, have I can always use this degree. I only got so many years of basketball. They understood. And they was like, well, if you ever need a job, just let us know. It's still here for you. <laughs> and I was like, thank you very much. And that's just when I learned when you treat people good and you do your job well to the best of your abilities, you know, people are going to show love to you. Yeah. And I ended up choosing my agent and um, Still to this day, I have the same agent and he basically found me because my senior year uh, I made ESPN top ten highlights. Um, I had jumped over a guy, a guy tried to take a charge on me. I got a steal. I just jumped over him and dumped it. And um, he said, that's when that's when he seen me. And he was like, he was like, who is this guy? And so when he typed in my name, that's when he seen my stats. He was like, oh, my gosh, I already seen athleticism. I seen the stats. My agent had never seen me play. He yeah. just seen the statistics. He sees, and then I sent him my film. I yeah. sent him my film, and then he was like, "Oh, oh, you, you're a Division One player." And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, that's what they say. They just say I'm not big enough." So he was like, "No, no, no, you're a Division One player. You're gonna make a lot of money overseas." I was like, yeah. "You think so?" Yeah. He was like, yeah. "He said you're gonna have to start low, but you're gonna be able to." And um, literally, every school didn't, or every um, professional team didn't know how to evaluate me. They yeah. were like. You see a guy averaging, I don't know, 26, 27 points a game, eight rebounds, four assists, but I'm playing D2 NAIA. Yeah. What's that equivalent to? It, you look at a guy in the Big Ten playing in Ohio State, he's averaging 9, 10 points a game. Like, yeah. you know, what, who's the better player? Yeah. It, it's hard to say. Like, this guy plays Division One; this guy doesn't. They didn't know how to buy with me at all. So uh, at this time, there was like a camp in Vegas, and it was during NBA Summer League. And so mm-hmm. my agent paid. He flew me out to Vegas and I was the only non-Division 1 player at this camp. And so, like, uh, all these scouts would come and all these teams that he already had on the phone, like, that were seeing the film, but they didn't know how to evaluate me. They were like, uh, we don't know the competition he's playing against. We're not familiar with this league. Like Ohio State and Duke and North yeah. Carolina, they play on ESPN. You know, this this kid, you know, he looks good, but yeah. he's not on that same um, platform. Yeah. And it was true. So I went to this camp and, um. It's one of those camps where you uh, 10 players on each team, you mm-hmm. sell five at a time. Uh, everybody plays even minutes, 20 minutes total, 40 minute game. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was the leading squad in school. I think my first game. I had like 25 points in 20 minutes and next game. And yeah. it was a fish in buckets, 23 yeah. and 20. And it was all in division one. And so my, my agent clipped up highlights and basically the person who was guarding me, what school they went to, and then phew, had me put. In he mix. said,
0: "What school they went to?
1: <laughs> what school they <laughs> went to?" So they know Division One school. Boom. Yeah. And he and you just see him in the mixer. Wow. And then the second game, boom. There again. So when he sent that to teams, you know they were so. And then also teams who were um there, they were like, "Okay, he's Division One player," and that yeah. kind of opened their eyes. And he, the thing that I'll never forget is he told me in warmups, dunk everything. Hey. He said because when you're when you're in warmups. I, I need you to stand out, and I'm gonna be talking to all these teams. He was like, "So do all your fancy dunks." So I'm in warm one yeah, one lines, going crazy, three sixties, windmills. Yeah. When you see, you know, I'm only six two. Yeah, it's like, and I was I was very explosive. I'm still quick, still athletic, but like when those young legs hit different. Yeah, those
0: lines. young legs hit different. And, uh,
1: <laughs> and so that's kind of how we draw them in. I was just pulling out all my slam dunk contest yeah. dunks, and then when the game started, all, all eyes was on me, and and, um, you know, I did what I had to do, and that kind of propelled me to Israel and, mm-hmm. and gave me the opportunity. And then I went to Israel first lead, and I was, once again, the yeah. only foreigner who was a non-Division one player. I yeah. mean, everybody else, you got guys, Big Ten, ACC, SEC, like guys I've seen on ESPN when I was in college or when I was a younger. And now I'm like, dang, like, we ain't started at the same place, but now, now we all at the same place. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Man, that's, that's, that's crazy. That's a crazy story. But, you know, going in and, and, and seeing your mentality, you know, when you said you were the only division two player in an AI player and everything like that, wherever you went, what was your mentality though? Like, like, how do you, how do you kind of stay hungry through it all? You know, like you've had so many kind of obstacles from, since you were from high school, you know, you talked about, you know, you coming from the inner city and everything like that, and 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 just dealing with people doubting you, the criticism. How do you kind of you know deal with that adversity and 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 keep your mindset the way it is right now?
1: Yeah, it's tough. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, a lot of people won't be real with themselves, but like yeah. part of me was intimidated just yeah. because you know you start to wonder, do I belong? Like I came from this small school. You know, all these scouts said, this is why I can't do this. This is why I can't do that. A B C. And then now I'm on this level playing against guys who were highly regarded, who are all this. And, and, you know, my first impression was, man, like, you know, am I good enough? And mm-hmm. and but I told myself, I was like, hey, we're about to find out. I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough, but we're about to see. And um, when I went out there and when in the early in the preseason, and I was playing really well. Um, our Israeli point guard was hurt. So I got to get all the reps at the one yeah. in the preseason. I was killing, and so after that first game, you know, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm like, oh, okay, um, I'm, I'm just as good or better than them. After yeah. like fast forward a month in the preseason, I'm like, man, these D1 dudes ain't nothing. Like, <laughs> they, ain't nothing. They, they they the same. They regular, they yeah. regular. And so like my my mentality shifted from, you know, I was questioning myself a little bit just because everything was starting to come to me. You know, I was having so much success, everything was coming to me. And now I was getting to a level where I had to start back all over. You know, I had to prove myself all over. Mm-hmm. And once I started to see, you know, my belief, you know, was very strong. And and I felt like every day I play against him. Not only am I playing for my job, playing for my future, I'm playing from all those dudes who couldn't get division one scholarships, who was good enough to get it. And I'm mm-hmm. a, and I'm a bust every one of these dudes and I'm a them every night. Yes. And they are gonna see. They gonna put some respect on on those non-division one players. And and that was my mindset. Like I don't just play for me. Like I I understand. However I play, I open up a door for somebody else who maybe didn't come from a big school and vice nice. versa and so on. So I open up a door for guards who maybe aren't the biggest. Who maybe you know you don't weigh 200, 220 pounds. You, know? yeah. so you might be a bug eighty bug eighty five, but you are getting it done. Yeah. And and that's kind of where I'm at mentally
0: with it. No, I hear you. And was it was it easy for you to to adjust from just the basketball standpoint from pros in college? How was that adjusting? No, it
1: was, it was tough because they tried to change me. Um, yeah.
0: This was in the era
1: where true point guards were all the raves. So mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo was getting triple doubles. With Celtics, Steve Nash yeah. was winning back-to-back MVPs. Like, yeah. The game has evolved so much, and the younger generation won't know, but at the time when there's a star player, they, the game changes. When I played, there was traditional big men. Big men were back-to-basket. They didn't shoot threes. They didn't dribble. They posted up. They screened. Point guards ran the offense, created only shot when it was light. You had to shoot. But yeah. your job was to create and, and to get everybody involved and organized. And so they were trying to change me. Instead of allowing me to be a scoring point, they yeah. wanted me just to be a true point. So I had to battle with that. And you know, you know how hard it is to know I can beat my man and go score. And yeah. then you go do it and score and finish the play, and your coach is mad. <laughs> like, it was extremely difficult. Like, I just beat him off the dribble. I just went and scored. Like, what are you mad at? Well, yeah. you know, it took me a long time, a lot of restraint, and it was a lot of growing pains just because you watched my film, you've seen who I was, you've seen how I play. Yeah. Like, why would you sign me? Yeah. You know, and yeah, I think I mean, a lot of right. coaches think that they can hone that talent and they can change you, but you can't. A player has been a player for twenty-something years. You can yeah. tweak a player. You can't 180 change a player. Yeah. If that's the case, that player won't be very good. Yeah. Because now he's doing something he's never done. Yeah. And and it was a tough award that season and a lot of learning curves. And every time I wouldn't initiate his offense, you know, you're a rookie, go sit down. Yeah. And and that's how I was. So it was it was a tough year for me. And um, I think as the years went on, um what what teams looked for in a point guard changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I can credit that to Derek Rose. Um, you know, he kind of flipped the script on, on how a point guard is supposed to look. No longer yeah. Jason Kidd, uh Steve Nash, uh, you know, that John Stockton type mode, like those yeah, type yeah. of guards. They were yeah. they were looking for guys who can get to it. And you bring yeah. in Steph Curry and you bring in Derek Rose, and they literally changed the Game um from a point guard perspective. And then you know uh NBA overseas is all a copycat lead. So as soon as Steph Curry start having this success and NBA shooting all these threes, right. now every team shoots threes. Three. Three, yeah. Now overseas team want to shoot threes. Yeah. Now, since big men are skilled and be yokish, now they can dribble, they can create, yeah. shoot three. Now ain't no classic big man. Yeah. All these big men outside of Rudy Gobert, every big man is a hybrid. Every bit like yeah. the NBA creates a mode. If one team has success, every team copies that, that trickles down overseas copies that. And honestly, you know, that changed everything. Once overseas start accepting scoring guards and scoring point guards. And you no know, longer it used to be a negative to be a combo guard. Like you either had to be a point yeah. guard or, or a shooting.
0: shooting guard, not in between.
1: If you were in between, that's why you can go to the league. When I first came out, combo guards were hated. And like Mm -hmm. when all these guys who came from these small colleges who were combo guards, who were in between, who were scoring guards, it literally, the outlook of my career from year one to year two, three, it was like a a whole different game. And I was able to be me. And that's when you see me start to take off, minus that first year where I just wasn't given much playing time.
0: I hear you, man. I I feel like like everyone goes through those kind of growing pains i've been through that growing pains and still learning you know how to balance you know what coaches want and what and what i want to do you know so i definitely hear you on that but um as we keep you know progressing in your career you know you you've you played at many different high level clubs man like you played in turkey you played in um you played in greece you know you played in china I want to, I want to talk about your China, your China experience. You know, I've, I've asked you this question off camera. Um, you scored 81 points, man. Like let that sink in. Like that's, that's OD to score 81 points in a professional game. Um, how did like, isn't, is, is, isn't that like the highest, the, the, the record? 81, is that the record? Is yeah. 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 82, 82. Or 80, 80, yeah. I'm tripping, 80. I'm tripping 82 and how, how, what, like, what goes to your mind when you score 82 points, you know, like how do you continue to hit 70 and like, I got to keep going. That's like some killer. <laughs> That's like some killer shit. It's really sick. If you think about it, like, like you can really dissect it, bro. Like, I love it. You feel me? Like, like how, how, like, how was it scoring 82 points in a single game and just like your mentality when you hoop, you know, like, like, is it always, I'm coming, I'm coming. Like some players, you know, relax, when they get 40, uh, 20, 25, but you like, nah, I want 40. And if you get 40, nah, I want 60, you know? <laughs> Can you talk to me just yeah. about your mentality on the floor when you when you you know go against, you know, these guys and when you score 82, man?
1: Yeah, for, for me, um, I always had a good motor. You know, I, yeah. I'm in excellent shape. And yeah. so like, I think a lot of guys, a lot of them chill, not just because they got some chill because they got the average, but a lot of it has to do with your conditioning. And so it's extremely difficult to be in attack mode all game, but you know, I'm, I'm giving up, you know, a little bit of weight, you know, some some dudes is big, some dudes is like tall, you know, I'm only six two. So, you know, there has to be, you know, that silver lining, that other positive. So when you're a little bit thinner, when you're a little bit shorter, you know, your cardio can be better. And, you know, I was just in excellent shape. And so for me, when I feel like somebody can't guard me, mm-hmm. uh, I take advantage and I'm gonna attack every single catch. Like people think, like yeah. it might not even be a play for me, but if I see like you cheating a play because you 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 read film and and you relax because you know I'm just supposed to make an entry, I'll go blow by you. Like yeah. and, and my mentality is if it's one man, I'm gonna go get a bucket. Yeah. if it's two if a second guy comes i'll make the right play but if you if you go on me with one man i'm gonna go get a bucket and yeah. then if you let me get a rhythm and now yeah. i'm feeling good sometimes two ain't enough <laughs> sometimes two ain't <laughs> enough and and that was one of those nights where yeah. you know, my teammates did an excellent job of screening getting me open getting yeah. me to yeah. ball in situations where i could succeed yeah. and so the credit goes to them that they were selfless enough to realize i had the hot hand and to step aside and to play through that like that that's a credit to them yeah. and then the other part for me is just that you know when you when you under radar when you under um underdog your whole life yeah. even when you finally rise you know to what might be perceived as the top or to the upper level you still carry that chip with you everywhere you go like and, and to you mentally everything is a disrespect like every like any slight anything i see it might not even be disrespectful to you but i'm gonna take it as that and that's what's yeah. gonna fuel me and drive me yeah. and motivate me and it's just little mind games and and i might even take it disrespect if i'm playing and and they not trapping me or they not double me and i'm thinking like oh they think i'm sweet like they think one man can guard me. or you bring out a player and i look at him and i'm like i know he can't play no defense this is who you put to guard me all right bet and and so that's kind of how my mindset is like you better bring your best defender out here you better bring help he better be doing all this extra stuff because if he not I'm taking it as you think that you don't have to do that to stop me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No and, no.
1: and once I get into that mode, you know, it's hard to turn off. Like, yeah, it's not a light switch. It, it, it's hard to turn off. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: not a light switch. No, man. And that's why, you know, like, uh, just learning from you and just talking to you, man, that's, I feel like that's, that's what I, I, I get the most about your game and like, you are relentless. And I think, from all your past experiences, what you've been through, man, like, you know, being doubted, all that, all that shit comes out when you get on the court. You feel me? And I, and I, and I see it and I, I think it's, it's, it's wonderful to watch, man. And, and, um, but, um, you know, just, just moving, keep moving forward. Like, what do you think it takes for, you know, athletes, younger athletes to, to get to the level where you've been and where, you know, just cause you, you've reached, uh heights you know a lot of players they want to get to some of the accomplishments you you know you've already had and stuff like that what do you think uh is there any advice that you would give you know the younger generation or younger players um just just dealing with you know being in your position you know being doubted or even you know some athletes have issues with just like i don't know there's their confidence or whatever so what, what, what do you have to say about that
1: I would say for me, um, and I talk to a lot of younger guys, like I always yeah. I want to see people succeed, I want to see people yeah. do well. Yeah. You know, if I could teach you something that I wish I knew or you know that helped me along the way, you know, I'm gonna trying to pass it to someone if they if they want to hear it. you know, I won't force upon my knowledge or you know my experiences, but you know if you if you're open to it, I love to help, and the biggest thing I think with the younger generation is every critique isn't a hater. Yeah. isn't a hater. so like people often think when somebody critiques their game or they say something, you know, they comment on a weakness, oh, he' a hater. No, like you're human, everybody has weakness. LeBron James has weakness. Michael Jordan has weakness. I think it's it's when you're honest with yourself about what your weaknesses are, you know either how to improve them or how to stop the other team from yeah. forcing you into those weaknesses in the game. So just be humble enough to be coached and to understand that you know you aren't the perfect player you're an unfinished product the moment you think you're a perfect player that you have everything it's time to stop playing
0: yeah
1: um number two um i would say is um don't be discouraged um when things are going good it's easy to wake up and go to the gym it's easy to come in with a good attitude it's easy to be a good person you know can you do those things when adversity hits Mm -hmm. if you go to the gym when you score 30 or when you score zero that's the type of kid I like. If you go to the gym um, with a positive attitude, whether you whether you coach played you 40 minutes or coach paid you 10 minutes. I ain't saying be happy with ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying you come in. That's none of your teammates fault. You play 10 minutes. You come in with good energy. You come in as a leader. You come in respectful. Yeah, you might have a a gripe right with coach. Show him in practice. Yeah. Go in and kill everybody and, and dominate every practice and you make them feel you. So, you know, those are some things I noticed because uh younger generation is not, they don't handle adversity well. You know, right. their their first feel is to quit, to give up, or to transfer. And sometimes those are the options, you know, to transfer could be right, but sometimes the option is to power through. Sometimes yeah. it's to look at yourself, what can I do better? Why am I off the game and why is this person out there? Because I often tell, and I talk to young players, even on my team, they say I should play more. I say that's not the question. The question isn't should you play more. The question is who should play less? Yeah. Because in order for you to play more, somebody, somebody else has to play, has to play less. Yeah. And why should that person play less compared to you? You yeah. need to show it. Yeah. And even if people play in my position, I'd be like, all right, show me. Yeah. Show me. You, you deserve to play more. Come out here and show me in practice. You can't. You can't. Yeah. And that's my <laughs> mindset. But that's how you gotta approach it. So deal with adversity, be a good person or work hard, whether things are good or bad. Handle criticism. Be coachable. And yeah. then um The third thing is, once you get everything you want, you make it, you achieve your goals. If you're not obsessed with being the best person of yourself, you'll never succeed. You'll get money for a year, two. You know, maybe you might squeeze out the third check. It's hard, but, you know, you won't maintain that certain level of play. So, like, if money's your motivation, you're screwed once you get money. What you gonna do? If buying your mom a house is a motivation, once you buy the house, what you gonna do? If, if being yes. financially stable is your motivation, what you gonna do? Yeah. But if being the best version of yourself, being great is your motivation, that's never enough. You yeah. always gonna be chasing that. And so I think those are the three things. So be coachable, handle adversity, and find what it is that drives you yeah. and that can push you through your entire career. If you yeah. find those three things, I think you'll have great success.
0: No, man. Uh, and if you play
1: overseas, yeah. don't get hurt. Don't hey. don't get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> if you get hurt overseas, that sets you back a year or two. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> but don't no, get I, hurt.
0: I hear you. I hear you. What an ironic time to say that. But, uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> but, uh, my injuries, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah not no, a major.
0: I I, I'm just messing with you. But, uh, yeah, man, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely agree with you, man. Um, I think that's what makes, you know, the greats great. You know, I was just talking to my mom about this, you know like the money, you know, overseas, you know, especially certain guys, guys, you know, you get paid pretty well, depends what level you're at, you know, but, you know, you get like, for example, for myself, you know, I'm, I'm getting pre- paid, I'm, I'm getting paid pretty good. Um, but if you obsess about the money, it's always going to be like, what's next? Like if once you reach the 500k, it's it's, you're going to feel like you're going to have, you know, deserve more. But I feel like if you don't, worry about being the best version having that peace within yourself to like yo i gotta improve you know i think you'll always you know like flatline you know so i definitely understand what you're saying man like with with that whole obsession and just you know being the best version being a good person that's what i kind of pride myself about you know being a good person on and off the floor you know being a good teammate being coachable you know but also having that that that, that hunger, you know, I, I want to be the best Mm -hmm. version. Like by the time I end playing basketball, I want to be able to say, man, I don't care if I make it to the highest level or the lowest level. I don't care. I mean, I do care, but I want to be able to say, man, I did everything I could, you know, because I think and you can look
1: at that man in the mirror. Yeah. You can look at him and be proud.
0: Exactly. Like, that's exactly like, you know, my whole, my whole thing. And that's why I feel like I put in the work because I want to be able to say, man, I did what I did. I, like things may not shake out your way you know but at the end of the day i did everything i could and i i gave this shit mm-hmm. my all so i hear you on that and um i just want to also just uh talk to you about um you know we're kind of closing up a little bit but um you know you're having a great season this year man your team if people don't know we're Thank also, you. you know he's in the russian vtb league he's also in euro uh euro cup and they're, they're having a great season um what are some of the goals you want to, uh, have, you know, by the end of the season?
1: Yeah. Okay. For me, um, you know, when I was younger, I chased, um, you know, getting to a certain level. And yeah. so to get to a certain level, you must have team success and individual success, yeah. you know, no matter how you cut it, they both have to be there, Yeah. you know, and, and this is the tough part about being overseas is that everybody wants, to get to the another level to get to the yeah. highest level or people want to maintain, and the only way to do that is with your performance, but for me, this year, you know as I age, I've got to solidify myself as you know a consistent high level player in europe you know i I dictate everything around my game to win it, yeah. so you know I'm okay with sacrificing something to win, you know what I'm saying and and that's something when you're young, you won't necessarily want to do or do at all, but yeah. As you age, as you have perspective, as you have financial security, as you, you know, kind of made your name, it's a lot easier to do that. So for me, my goal is, you know, to win the Euro Cup. I want to move this team to the Euro League. You know, I feel like anytime you can take a team to new heights, um, it solidifies you as a player. You know, not only that as a person, I also want to help develop the younger guys. We have a lot of younger guys with talent, guys who are trying to get to that level or trying to be something. And I feel like if I can bring them along, help them improve, while also carrying the team alone, I mean, that's highly coveted and valuable, you know, not only for the franchise, but for myself, whether this team wants me or another team, they're going to know that this is a guy who wins. Yeah. This is a guy that not only he wins, he helps bring his other other people up. He helps improve other people. Can people enjoy playing with him? And thirdly, I think, which is never a question. You already know what I'm going to do on the court. You already know how I'm going to yeah. perform. How I'm going to be there in the big games and the big moments. And, you know, I think that's never been a question, you know, so. Yeah. You know, for me, if we we achieve our goals, we need to be top four in VTB League. We need to make a run. But I would like us to be in that final of the Euro Cup. And if we do that, you know, I think um, you know, I've, I've reached my goals for this season, yeah. and I think that everybody will be pleased. No, I hear you. I hear you. So let's get, let's
0: get to some uh fun questions. By the way, I, I know you guys will do that, man. Y'all y'all definitely y'all playing great. You guys playing great. Y'all just got to stay healthy, man, and. and and yeah, those goals. Thank you. I appreciate good. that. But um let's get to some fun questions, man. I uh, I got like three three questions for you, man. For my first question, let me see. I don't know which one I want to ask first. But um, what was your favorite country that you played in?
1: Oh Israel why. by far. Israel? Uh the food, the food was great. Um, yeah. the culture, the people were inviting, friendly, yeah. um, the weather warm all year round palm trees beaches like miami different Um, it's different from everybody speaks english english they speak slang they understand you um the country is small so it's not the crazy flights crazy travel travel. everything's a bus ride you get man you get to one place to another place maximum one hour uh, on a bus yeah like just was a good environment and i think um you know, them being an ally of the U.S., those yeah. connections, it makes it so easy, like, for them to be inviting and warm uh, yeah. to U.S. citizens. And you don't even feel like a foreigner there. You feel like your home. And even though the Israeli culture is strong, the food is excellent, they also have a taste of America if you want those type of things. Yeah. And there's always something to do. The history, uh, religion-wise, everything. Jerusalem, how special that is, the Western Wall. You can yeah. go where Jesus walked. Like, it's just so, so many so, reasons, but yeah. Israel is, is like, off the chain, the best. But yeah. if you're a foreigner and you're young, uh, to me, it's one of the best places to go to kind of jumpstart your career. It's an easy adjustment, and it's a place where you can go and play an up tempo lead and kind of show your face to Europe. But it's a place that is so nice; a lot of guys get stuck there. They get stuck there. They don't, there. Want, they don't want. They don't want to leave,
0: man. They <laughs> stayed there for a few years, and, and see so you know that you had a career there.
1: But um, nah, yeah. And if know. and if you're if you're a single guy. You know, at the time I was when I was there, now I'm family man, but if you're a single guy, it's a lot of nice distractions there as well. That's, right. <laughs> that's
0: what I heard. That's what I heard allegedly. But uh, uh <laughs> Yeah, um, okay. That that's a place that I you know I always wanted to, to at least visit, you know. But uh my second question, man, has there been a player, you know, that, that in your career where you kept playing against who like like you told yourself, man, this dude's a problem, like. Like who was the best player you played against and, and and and
1: why? Yeah, there's two players that come to mind. The first one, uh, I was at NWFS in the year and we were playing Real Madrid by a kid named Luka Dantich. Oh and I had heard all the hype, all the yeah. fuss, you know, he's six foot eight, uh 230. Point and on. I'm like, man, please, 6'8, yeah. 230. Point guard. eighteen work. years old. We ripping him. Man, get out of here. He probably like 6'5. Like, yeah. you know how you just, I'm like, <laughs> fact, bro, fact, like fact, they fact. don't make, they don't make guys like that. Like, yeah. you telling me this kid, 6'8. And so coach was like, yeah, um, you're gonna guard the two. I'm like, I'm gonna guard the two. Like, I always guard the one. I guard my position. He like, nah, uh, Luca too tall. He too tall. And I'm like, how tall is he really? He's like, he's six eight i like, man, no, really ain't no six, eight point guard in yes. Europe. He was like, Eric, hey, he's 6'8, 230. If you guard him, he's going to go to the post. I'm like, all right, man, whatever. And so we start the game, and uh, this is when I should have knew he was different. <laughs> Everybody on Real Madrid had on the same outfit, the mm-hmm. same warm-up, everything. Luca came in arrogant, cocky, different warm-up. Pants leg up, different out there swagging. Yeah. Like you, you could tell he knew I'm about to be a top five pick. I'm that guy. And I'm yeah. thinking like, look at this young kid with this yeah. arrogance. Who do you think I'm, he like,
0: is? I'm like, who he ain't did nothing yet. Man.
1: Boy, this boy, I ain't gonna lie, I, I fried him. I think I had like 25 and 5 on them. <laughs> that <laughs> boy, that that boy destroyed us. Like really? there was no one who could guard him. We yeah. we put the the taller guards on him. They were too slow, blow by crossover, step backs, layups to the cup. We put the smaller guards on them. He shoot rise over top of them, put them on a block. I mean, people was getting killed so bad. I was like, shoot, let me come over here. I got to see this. But who yeah. Hezzy pull up trade ball in my face? I contested, but he's six eight now you can do like. And I was like, after the game, my brother called me laughing. <laughs> he said, He said, he said, damn. He said, "Luca tore your asses up." I was like, my, "Oh my, man!" My. He was like, he was," like, I ain't gonna lie. He said, "He said that boy good." I said, "CJ," I said, "I can't believe he 18 years old." Somebody checked out my passport, like he was that good. And then obviously that year he went on to win uh, EuroLeague MVP, EuroLeague title, and That's crazy, now he's bro. scoring 30 points and 10 assists and yeah. I don't know, eight rebounds in the yeah. NBA. So I don't feel bad that he destroyed yeah. us. I was like, "Sheesh." Yeah. and then the second player um i was in china mike beasley he's the most gifted mike most beasley? talented player I, i've ever played against mike beasley oh, oh my god i mean you're talking about six foot nine um can shoot the tray can yeah. dribble it push the break rebound one two three four position can play them all can guard them all um just his game is fluid effortless i yeah. mean there's nothing you can do with him like he he's a max player um if things ended up differently um I guess, I don't know, off the court or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever issues there was. But his talent is not ever a question. That boy is He's
0: tough. Good.
1: That, those two players, I ain't never seen nothing like that. Like <laughs> I was playing against him and I was like, this, this don't make no sense. Like we we was in the game playing against Mike Beasley. And after the game, my mom was like, Portland Trailblazers can use him. <laughs> like, she was, she was, she yeah, said, yeah, oh, yeah. your brother, need your brother need to let them know oh, that. He need to be on their team. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> damn. damn
1: like, like, that's how good he was. Like, heard, it was just, yeah. it's to the point where it's undeniable, the talent.
0: Yeah, I heard I heard Mike Beasley, he's different, you know. All, what I heard, <laughs> even off-season Mike Beasley is different, but like you said. Well, how
1: he play in them little programs yeah. and them little workouts, it, it's just like that in the just, game. You know, some people don't translate. You know, Ben Simmons is out there yeah. hitting jump shots and open Doing gym, all and that then that he gets to the game and he's scared yeah. to shoot. nah. Yeah. Might be these translate yeah. what he do in those little runs and one on one and that's how he playing the game. Right? Smacking
0: all, that's huh? that's him.
1: Oh, talking, hollering, and the thing is you can't do nothing about it because oh, ain't yeah. too many people can guard him. Facts, facts, facts. You gotta be physically blessed, gifted, and good defensively. Like, I mean, he's six nine, he a guard. Yeah, but how he's physical. Did, he got the physicality of a four, athleticism too. True, everything, bro. He he. He's the most gifted player I ever played against. Yeah. Ever. Most oh, gifted.
0: That's, that's, easy. that's easy to say. My Overseas, la- I
1: should yeah. say.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my last uh question is uh, you know, you played in uh kind of crazy places as well. I played in Turkey. I never played in Greece, you know. Um Russia, we can add Russia maybe, but it's it's kind of more calm. But have you ever seen anything like crazy on? or off the floor in some of these countries? Like, what's the craziest thing you've seen? You know, I've heard stories with people, you you know, they you see bomb on the court. We come in, you know, they spitting on you or they doing some crazy, yeah. you know, stuff. You got any stories like that?
1: Yeah. when I was in Greece. Um, we were playing in the Greek Cup and we were in the Greek semifinals. We played at Eris. Eris has one of the best home courts and fan support um, in the Greek league. You know, people always think Panathinaikos, Olympiacos. Yes, yeah. their fans are elite, but Edis and Core along those same lines. Yeah. And I mean, Jim was packed. You're talking about 10 to 11,000 full. And they were literally throwing lighters, coins, change ads, everything. So you're on the court and you're just randomly feel something, smack it legs, <laughs> smack it back. And they were you spitting. Into- they were, man, you're just getting hit with random stuff. And then they were spitting. So like above our bench, there was like a, a protection uh, a, a plastic glass protection. So all behind the bench and it goes above the bench. All you saw was, I would say, thousands of loogies and spitballs because they tried to spit on us from over the top. And you it was the most disgusting thing. It looked like all type of snowflakes all over this. And it was just strings of globs of spit. And then on the court Yo. they were spinning on us, you know, when I took my jersey off after the game, I seen globs of spit. on on, like my back it was just it was disgusting it was an unsafe environment they had like uh flares in there um uh you know they were smoking Uh, they had obviously a drum but like man i I felt unsafe like that was one of the few times on the court where like i really felt unsafe in that environment and so like there were some places when i played in greece it was unsafe or like even when i was at um in turkey at galatasaray right like there would be fights like we would play fenerbahce And like the Finner fans and the Gallup fans would be like like trying to meet up. And there'd probably be like a hundred SWAT police officers trying to break them up. And they'd be in there tussling, fighting, going crazy. It was some games where I wouldn't even let my wife come. Yeah. You know, to those games because I'd be like, "No, this is this yeah, is unsafe. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna be able to play if somebody like do something and mess with yeah. you. Like, you just watch this one at home. Like, I knew like there's certain games you know yeah. this is not a family game. Like, crazy. if you're the home team, yes, but yeah. you can't go to the way the way game when we play thinner. Oh. And I'm gather Or if you're at Olympiacos and you play Pan, like, nah, I wouldn't even let my family go to those games." Yeah. So. <laughs> Damn, bro,
0: that is crazy, man. You you like you ever or like. Have you ever heard like anybody, you know, they get spit on, they want to run out in, in the stands? Like have you ever heard any stories? Oh like yeah, I
1: seen I seen a video clip one time, I think um it was a couple years ago. It was Budignos versus Red Star. Okay. And I think Norris Co., I don't know if you can find it. Um I think the Red Star fans was doing something. He got yeah. into it almost like and they like stopped him from getting there, but he was trying to get to him. They had to actually yeah. postpone the game. For a minute. Like, and that's what happens. Like some of those places, they literally pause the game and you you get a warning. And then the next time you go into the locker room for like 15 minutes, they pause the game, then they bring you back. And then the third time the fans gotta go. Yeah. So like I didn't hear about that. One time I was in Turkey and a fan ran on the court. And I was I was just watching the game on TV. I wasn't there. Yeah. And somebody ran in and it was like, like it looked like he was lunging towards a player. And um, EJ Rowland. Hit this boy with a one hitter. Put put him to sleep. I don't know. You could probably find it. I'm a Google it. I'm a
0: Google it. I'm a Google it.
1: EJ Rowland, His real name is Earl Roland. Um, uh, it was at. He was I think he was at Bambit. Man, a play around on the court. Man, he clocked him. Can't remember what team he was on, but yo, fan went to sleep. Damn. I bet he won't ever run on the court again.
0: I bet he won't. <laughs> but you gotta be careful doing that out there, man, because you know they'll jump.
1: You. Oh yeah, if you you yeah if you fight at the wrong environment. They will Bro, it's stop. over for your it's team. So it's over? only it's only fourteen or fifteen team members. It's thousands yeah. of them.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You
1: it's... better run to the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> you better run to the locker. Room. When I was in Greece, um, the fans get the fans had one time had got mad at um one of the referees. Yeah. They feel like they got cheated. You know, the fans waited for them. Waited for the refs outside the arena. Not yeah. like one or two fans. I'm talking about hundreds of fans yeah. waited. Police uh police officers had to um and them to the hotel like it's it's real out there. like That's i know like real. when i was in greek greek fans they know where you live because you know like you in Greekly you greek you a referee wow. they outside they outside the crib like it is it's real wow like i didn't i didn't i didn't heard stories about that seen that type of stuff so like i mean overseas it's just a different environment it is and, and I think I think sometimes, you know, the referees be a little bit uneasy or uncomfortable yeah. too, because they know where they at. Yeah. You know, I know like we've been in a hostile environment and you know, I'm the home team, I'm at test right? And we got 12,000 in the arena. Yeah. And they call a foul on me and the fans start going crazy, crazy. like <laughs> screaming and the rest face. And I raise my hand, like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Good call, Good call. this is me. And I didn't have a ref, thank me. Thank you, Eric, for taking a foul for showing the fans with a foul. Thank you like they, they don't that, do that unless they, they also they a little nervous they fear for them for the safety too in, in the wrong environments because some fans don't leave basketball at the gym
0: yeah I mean, that just shows how passionate you know europe is and it's different man it's really different people don't know that you mm-hmm. know that that like experiences like that actually goes on you know so yeah. but man i appreciate you you know taking the time man like i want to say thank you again um you know this means a lot you know as i said like we connected a year ago and you know i feel like you've been a great mentor a uh, brother to me you know so i really appreciate you taking the time man i think the pod listeners are going to love this one because uh, you share so so many like valuable lessons insight on you know not just even you know basketball but just life you know this is this is bigger than basketball what you're sharing so uh, i appreciate you man i
1: really do no problem. I appreciate you having me on. You know, your family already. And you know, appreciate we're gonna it. come up and visit you and wifey this summer. Yep, and yeah, yep, yep. you know, yeah. We got a room open for you whenever yeah. y'all wanna come up.
0: <laughs> appreciate it, man. Anything else you wanna uh you wanna say to the to the listeners or anything?
1: Or no, uh, man, everything good. You know, I just say um everybody enjoy your new year. Um I wanna wish everybody happiness, uh, health, success, and you know, I'm um, just continue to fight through, you know, whatever adversity nice. you're facing. You know, it won't won't always be like that if you keep the right mindset and you put the work in, whatever that may be.
0: Thanks, man. Well, appreciate you, man. Uh, Yeah, man. I'll holler at you. Peace.